Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is Dee, and welcome to episode 113 of the Benzo Free Podcast. Wow, so much has happened since we last talked, and I do have a lot to cover today. Today our feature is on benzos and COVID. But before we get to that, we have a bunch of other stuff to talk about, too. First, I want to just check in with you, as I often do. How, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Where are you at in your recovery and your healing? How are the symptoms? Just how are things going? I always want to make sure that I check in with you at the beginning of each episode. I I know so many of you are struggling and I don't want you to think for one second that I'd forgotten that because I have. As for me, I'm doing well, actually. Doing pretty well, to be honest. Just... Climbing out of a head cold, but doing much better. Still have some of the throat issues and a few symptoms like ecclesia, dysphagia, etc. But I've been to a lot of doctors lately and had a lot of tests. But <laughs> I'm doing a lot better, actually. And it looks like the most likely culprit of all my symptoms and recent health issues, as, I'm, as I may have mentioned in other podcasts, I think, is COVID and bind and stress and grief and all kinds of stuff wrapped up together. And that's one of the reasons for today's feature. Regardless, I'm doing pretty good. And my mood is positive. And I like that. It's good to be back with a real positive mood. I want to apologize real quick that I've been so late on my email correspondence. Oh man, I'm about a month behind right now. And I am truly sorry. The Still, I've always responded to all your correspondence here at Easing Anxiety in the Benzo Free Podcast and not planning on changing that anytime soon. So please be patient. I'm going to get to them really soon. I have company coming in this weekend and part of next week, but maybe next weekend I might just block out and just get caught up on emails. I think it'd be good to do that. But let me talk real briefly about a few things here. On February 20th, the Benzo Free Podcast turned four years old. We are now four years old. Wow, that's kind of wild. Hard to think about that. I didn't celebrate it or do anything special. I, in fact, it just passed by and I didn't even notice it. So if that tells you anything. Four years, this is 113 episodes now, and it's been really cool. I'm so glad you stuck with me, and thank you. Just sincerely thank you to all of you for going along on the journey with me. I really appreciate it. I know I've been getting slow on getting out new episodes. Um, I'm only producing one per month right now, and even that is often late as it is this month. I try to get them out around the 1st, and it's the 11th right now as I'm recording this, so I'm a little behind. Our format today includes our introduction, which you just heard. I'm wrapping that up already because we got so much content to cover. Our mailbag, and we're going to talk a little bit about benzos and potatoes. Yes, potatoes. I'll get to that in a second. Our spotlight section, which focuses on what's new at Easing Anxiety, our website, and everything that goes with that. We also have a couple benzo stories. And, of course, our feature, which is dedicated to benzos and COVID. And before we move on, don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. Comment our videos at YouTube, on our podcast posts, or via our feedback form at easinganxiety.com feedback. And there are more places to visit us now, but we're going to get to those in the spotlight section and I'll tell you more about those. And while you're on the website, perhaps you want to subscribe to the mailing list. That is to our new mailing list. Again, I'll talk more about that briefly or even donate to support the work we do. Trust me, every little bit helps. And remember, 
The Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. Now, let's take a look at our mailbag. I'm going to keep our mailbag really short. I'm just going to cover one topic. And for this one, I don't have an actual comment or email to share with you. But instead, it was from a verbal conversation I had with someone in the benzo community. The topic of endogenous benzodiazepines came up. And this person asked me about specific foods, in particular, potatoes. Now, I know about endogenous benzodiazepines, but I hadn't heard the part about potatoes. So I did what I usually do. I did my research. But first, but first, let me back up just a bit. I think I should start with endogenous benzodiazepines. <laughs> For some of you, that, that term may seem foreign. So, so basically, in layman's terms, it means benzodiazepines or benzodiazepine-like compounds, which are termed endozepines, endozepines <laughs> that exist in the body, in the plasma and brain tissue, um, and that these exist even for those who have never taken a benzodiazepine medication. And now this makes sense because, you see, benzodiazepine receptors are part of the GABA receptor complex. Specifically, they are the GABA-A subunits. GABA-B are the binding sites for GABA. GABA-A are the binding sites for benzodiazepines. So if benzodiazepines didn't already occur naturally in the body, then why would we have sites to receive those chemicals? We wouldn't. They exist because there are chemicals that can be received by the body and that affects them. And when we take a, a synthetic benzodiazepine like, um, you know, aprazolam or lorazepam or clonazepam, um, then it also affects those same benzodiazepine receptor sites, the GABA-A receptors. Now, these endogenous benzodiazepines come up in the literature sometimes. In fact, it comes up quite frequently, I noticed, in relation to hepatic encephalopathy. These endogenous benzodiazepines may play a role in that nervous system disorder that is caused by liver disease. And that shows up in the literature quite commonly. But as I'm sure you're asking, <laughs> what does this have to do with potatoes? Because I did mention that up front. According, according to an article in Biochemical Pharmacology, well, in 1988, the author said this, aqueous acid extracts of wheat grains and a potato tuber were found to contain a series of compounds displaying a high affinity to the central type benzodiazepine receptor in mammalian brain. What this means is basically that wheat grains and potatoes include compounds that have an affinity to the benzodiazepine receptors. And these include diazepam, which we know um, as a brand name of Valium, and also N-desmethyldiazepam, which is another chemical. Those are the two chemicals that have been found. Now, the levels of these chemicals was low, okay, to find these chemicals in the foods that we might ingest and might become, you know, we might take in. It is possible why some people feel that potatoes and wheat have a calming effect on them, though. It may be due to these, these um, benzodiazepine drugs or benzodiazepine-like chemicals, but it also may not. In fact, the level of these drugs in these foods is very low, and they may have no, no measurable effect on us at all, e even for those of us who are hypersensitive to them due to our benzodiazepine exposure. But still, I thought it was interesting and a very fascinating topic, and I hadn't known the part about the potatoes, so... I thought it was something we should mention and maybe something we should follow and maybe learn more about with time. So I wanted to bring that up in the mailbag. I thought that was an interesting topic that came up and I thought I'd share it with you. Now, please remember that if for any reason you feel that a food is setting off your symptoms, you can always adjust your diet a little bit and see if it helps. Remember, everyone is different in bind. And the best way to figure out what works for you is the tried and true method of trial and error. We just have to keep trying things to find out what works best during our withdrawal. Okay, that'll close out our mailbag. We're gonna keep that one short. And now let's move on to our spotlight. A lot has happened and I wanna spend a few minutes sharing it with you. Um, I appreciate you staying with me on this. Um, there's some really interesting, I think, information things we've done and I've been working on this for two years. so. Please bear with me. I want to share a few things, but I will try to keep it brief and, and not be redundant if I can. 
For some of you, this may not be interesting, and always you can skip this section using the chapter list in the show notes, but I ask you to stick with me if you can, because I think this might be useful. On March 1st, 2023, after two years of development, with many pauses in between for taking care of my parents and then passing away and stress and projects at the work group and everything, I finally finished our new website at easinganxiety.com, and I got it launched. And along with it, we've added new social media, changes to the YouTube account, and much, much more. And that's what I want to talk about briefly. So let's start with the website really quickly. Maybe not too quickly, but, you know, I'm going to try to keep it free. On the surface, the changes to the website may not look significant. It does look a little different. Um, But overall, on the surface, it doesn't look a lot different than the one we had before, the other easing anxiety site. It looks significantly different from the benzo-free site. But from the previous easing anxiety site, it doesn't look a lot different. But underneath, trust me, this new site is a beast. And in the coming months, heck, even in just the last few days, new features and functionality will reveal itself on the site. And we will continue to build on that throughout the rest of this year. Anyway, let me cover some highlights with you. First of all, the most significant change is that I moved the site from WordPress to Wix.com. Now, without getting into too much technical stuff here, The main reason for this was simplicity. I was spending too much time managing pages, plugins, viruses, etc. on WordPress. And I wanted a site where many of those were managed for me. The website, this website, easinganxiety.com, is our home. It's our hub. It's everything. I don't want to rely on social media. I don't want to rely on YouTube. I don't rely on all these other external things because they come and go. They have different rules and all kinds of things, and it's crazy. It's nice to have your own site that you can run and operate and manage the way that you feel it should be managed and the way that you all think we should we should manage this. And so it's a community that fits what we're trying to do and what we need. One other thing, too, is on the top menu bar, there is a new global search function. We had a search before, but it wasn't very robust. This one Type in a search function, any word, and you will search through all our podcast episodes, all our videos, all our articles, all our information pages, all our resources, anything there. It will just list it and it will highlight the word in the description. It's a really nice search function and I'm really excited about that. So it's an easy way to find content on a specific topic. Um, Just go to our website, type in your search words right there at the top and you can go right to what you're looking for. And then of course, there's the real big part of all this and the real reason in addition to its simplicity as to why we switched over to a new platform and that was a member's login but you can go online today and sign up as a member now here's the fun part if you already receive the email list your email is already in there and it will just connect the two so your email is already in there because our email list was ported over to it Um, and that's one of the things i will mention um actually maybe i'll mention real briefly is For those who get the email list, for those who get our newsletter, um, that has also changed. And you've already seen that change. And I even wrote a blog post where it talks about it changing. But that is all also in Wix.com. We have moved out of MailChimp and moved back into Wix. So again, everything's in one place. So your email list, you can change your subscribing to email list. is also part of your member account. It's all tied together. You have one account. There's a login icon on the menu bar now right next to the search bar. You can visit your account page, your profile, your notifications, your settings. This will grow as we have more um, functionality in it. Now, what does this gain you? Great question. Right now, not much (laughs) because I'm building this part out. Right now, all of our content, except for commenting, all of our content is available to everyone, okay, even if you're not a member. What it does right now is commenting on any post, our podcasts, our articles, on our information pages and everything. Almost all these have the ability to comment on them. Well, that's tied to being a member or just a free member, just tied to logging in and creating an account. Um, And if you try to create a comment, it will ask you, hey, sign up for the account and then you can create a comment. Some of you have already done that and we're already ahead of it. So good job for you. Thanks. But right now, that's the only functionality. It will let you... um, add comments to all the stuff we posted. But it's also just the very beginning because I'm going to build on this. And if you're online, you're going to be the first ones to see and be able to use this. One of the next things we got going on, and I hate bringing this up because I know it's kind of ugly sometimes, but is paid membership. Now, 
let me cover a couple things so I hopefully can alleviate a few concerns. Number one, all the information on, on easing anxiety in the Benzo Free podcast that was free stays free. I am not going to start creating any kind of charging for anything that I've already been doing. Okay. I'm still putting out free content. I want people to have access to the free con content. I don't want that to, you know, go away. That's actually my outreach and hopefully we'll bring people to our site. But after you sign up as a membership, eventually there will be a tier or two that will be for a fee. And through that, you can get access to behind the scenes stuff. You can get access to a chat room. Um, support groups, maybe even coaching. I mean, all these things that I'm planning on adding to this. Um, discussion groups, a special videos, special podcast episodes, things that are just for this membership level. And so that's what this is. Now, when it comes back to why I'm doing this, I've said this before, but I just want to clarify. I've been doing this for Oh, since I published a book, it's been almost five years. Um, since I started writing the book, it's been eight or nine. And um, I've yet to make any profit or make any salary any year. My expenses eat up more than the donations that come in. The donations are awesome. They're amazing. And I really appreciate it. But it's still my expenses usually outweigh that. So I want more than anything to keep doing what I'm doing. I just can't keep doing this for free. I felt the best way is to create this membership site. So I'm setting that up. Um, as I said, there will still be plenty of free content, but this will be available to people. So that'll be coming. You'll learn more as we go along. But right now, membership is free. Basic membership will always be free. You can sign in, have an account that I'll, I'll never charge for that. That is free. It's just once you're a member, then as we create a tier or two, then you will see what that is and we'll I'll, I'll talk about that and you'll and see what's available. So we'll go from there. Hopefully that answers your questions. If you have any other questions, please let me know. I'm happy to answer them. Um, a couple more things. I told you this was big, but I want to get through it so I can get to the content on, on stories and stuff. This is, might be a long episode, so I apologize. One thing is we have a new handle and our, basically our new username handle across, you know, the at so-and-so used to be at easing anxiety, but that wasn't available someplace and I lost access to it on someplace else. So our global handle now is easing ANX. That's just easing ANX. Um, it's actually easier to say than easing anxiety. It's one less syllable, <laughs> but also it's available. And I, I found it available in all the different um, social media outlets I wanted to. And so we went through and changed it. It's universal. So we're going to cover that in a little bit, but that's going to be our universal um, social media handle, easing ANX for easing anxiety. So let me talk about a few of these different venues. YouTube, something else we just did. I told you I've been busy this last several months getting this stuff ready. We just changed from two channels down to one. We used to have an easing anxiety channel, which I hadn't posted on in over a year. And we had the Benzo Free channel, which I still been putting the podcast on all the time. So I managed all, I merged all the content into one channel. So just so you know, the old Benzo Free site is now the new Easing Anxiety channel. So the old Benzo Free YouTube channel is now our Easing Anxiety channel. If you go there, you'll notice the logos changed, the backgrounds changed, even the names changed. And it, of course, has the handle at Easing, Easing ANX. Okay, <laughs> so um, that's the new channel. The old Easing Anxiety is shutting down in a few months. I've taken all those videos and loaded them onto the old Benzo Free, which is now the new Easing Anxiety channel. Does that make any sense? I've been doing that over the last few days. So if you've seen new videos popping up on Benzo Free, which is now the new Easing Anxiety channel, that's because I was just merging a lot of our old content from there over to one channel. So we have just one channel. Oh, thanks for being patient about that. So again, in an effort to simplify, we're going back to one channel and it is at youtube.com slash at Easing ANX. So please come visit us. And then there's social media. Um, the last thing I want to talk about here before we move on to all the rest of our content. After a two-year hiatus for Easing Anxiety and the Benzo Free podcast, we are back on social media with some reluctance <laughs> and even um, second thoughts, and I'll tell you why. I won't go into our history on social media, but for various reasons, We've avoided it for a while, had some bad things happen a long time ago. And so it's been a while since we've come back, but 
Starting this past week, we're back and I'm ready to go. So here's the accounts. Okay, so this little section here is going to sound different because I'm recording it after the fact and I'm sneaking it into the recording. It's just a short two-minute section where I was going to record about Facebook. Originally, I recorded that I'm not on Facebook because the day after I signed up for Facebook, they suspended my account. I went in there to disagree with their decision, gave them my phone number, gave them my picture, and then I got back a message saying they will review it. But if they decide that it is a fake account, that they will... Um, that they will, you know, permanently disable my account and I can never disagree with the decision again. It was really welcoming. Great, great message. Anyway, so I recorded this initially, this little section here saying, I wanted to be on Facebook. I'm not. I'm frustrated. And this is how it is. Well, as soon as I recorded that, did all my editing, downloaded the files from my Facebook, getting ready to upload it, I went and checked. And guess what? I was online. My Facebook account was backed. No email. I just thought maybe I'm back. So anyway, I changed everything. I changed the icons on my site. I went ahead and re-recorded a new section for this, put that up there, and I was all ready to go. Got it edited in, re-downloaded the files, and guess what? Yeah, you guessed it. I went in and my site, my site is dis, is disconnected again. It's it's all same thing, suspended. I went and put my phone number, picture, and I'm waiting to hear from him again. I don't know what the heck I did. I have no idea why they think I'm a fake site, but it is extremely frustrating. And I think I am totally done with Facebook. So right now we have no Facebook account. And even though I have an Instagram account at Instagram.com slash at EasingANX, I think I might be done with them too because they're the same company. I'm just really, really frustrated. And I'm just going to sneak this little snippet in here and tell you where I'm at. I don't know if I'll ever get back. I don't know if I'll go back with Facebook or not, but... I'm just frustrated. So we're going to move on to the other social media platform and see how that goes. Which leaves Twitter. <laughs> the third account, I was setting up Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, YouTube I already had. So the third account I was trying just to cross the board is Twitter. This is the one platform that has not banned me yet. <laughs> so well, not, uh, as far as Facebook and Instagram being part of one, but Twitter has not banned me. So um, I'm sticking with Twitter only because they're allowing me to be on it. No reasons, no political reasons whatsoever, who's owning it or whatever. I'm just trying to get on social media so that we can promote what we're doing. But we are now on Twitter. And on March 8th, on our Easing Anxiety account on Twitter, I want to tell you something. I tweeted for the very first time in my life. For real. I have never tweeted before. <laughs> Never posted on Twitter. That was my very first one. If you go to our Twitter account, you will see my very first tweet. <laughs> I feel so um, out of it, but <laughs> that's just how it is. I've avoided social media um, for a while, and I have really, I have no personal social media accounts to speak of. Um, I'm only setting these ones up for my business, but I'm going to try again, and we'll see how it goes. So please check us out. And I think that wraps up the spotlight section. And remember, if you want to be notified of the stuff happening on our channel, please subscribe to our email list at easinganxiety.com slash subscribe. And if you like, after you sign up for that, create a member login. And you'll have first access to new content as it becomes available. Now let's move on to our Benzo story. Today, I have one of the greatest pleasures I have on this podcast, and that is the blessing of sharing people's stories, especially stories of success. And the following two stories are just that. While both have been through so much, they found success and did so with a positive outlook on life. Our first story is from one of our listeners I will call Ted. That's not his real name, but he asked me to keep his name private, and I will do so. I also added a bit of info, just so you know, on the meds he was taking, and I also removed the name of the clinic and just cleaned it up a little bit, mostly to, out of respect for um, different aspects and out of respect for the authors. So. Ted's story is one of success, and I really wanted to share it with you today. This man has been through hell with psych drugs and made it through to a great life on the other side. It's short and sweet, and you're going to want to hear this one. Here's what Ted had to say just wanted to share with you a little bit about my experience. I'm going to be 59 this September. At 29 years old, I was having headaches. For the next few years, 
I went to see many doctors and tests. At 31 years old, I ended up at a headache clinic in Chicago. Was there a week and the diagnosis was there's nothing wrong with you. You're just depressed. They started me on Tegretol, an anticonvulsant, for the first drug, I think. Then my second drug was Nardo, an antidepressant. At the time I took this drug, I felt I was losing my mind. Now I know I had an adverse reaction. At the age of around 35 years old and on a lot of different medications, I was diagnosed manic depressive from a psychiatrist. 15 years I was on clonopin, 12 years on Seroquel, an antipsychotic, and Cebalta, an SNR antidepressant. I lost everything. 19 years on some kind of anti-seizure medication. Today, I'm drug-free and living a life I couldn't imagine. Thanks for reading this. God bless everyone on their journey. Whew. Thanks, Ted. I, I lo I, great story. I, I love just all the crap you go through. I'm not saying it's great to see that, but all the crap. And then all of a sudden that last paragraph, uh, it just, it, it helps to emphasize that success is at the end and you get there. It's a long road sometimes, but we get there. Ted has also struggled with alcohol in the past, and he's had many struggles, and I know this has been very difficult for him. Multiple drugs, polydrugging is such a complicated situation and one that I, I didn't experience much, but I know for those who have how difficult it is. And Ted, I'm, I'm very grateful to you, and thank you so much for sharing your story. The second story is from Judith in San Francisco, California, and I, I couldn't help but want to share her enthusiasm and positive spirit here today. Judith writes, D, thank you for what you do. I began tapering clonazepam on January 1st, 2019, actually on December 29th, 2018, but who's counting? I discovered your book and podcast shortly thereafter. I have listened to almost all of your podcasts. I took my last benzo on March 29th, 2022 after being prescribed in March 2003, 19 years. You have been an immense help to me over this time. I thank you. It has been quite a journey with many trials and revelations. I am definitely so much better, even though I continue to experience symptoms. BIND is a wonderful acronym for the continuing journey. I look forward to continuing to follow your work. I am especially interested in your peer support work and classes, but perhaps I can offer help to others traveling this challenging path of withdrawal. By the way, Anna Lemke has been my prescribing doctor for the last two years. Isn't she wonderful? All the best to you. We have much to be grateful for. Judith. Thank you, Judith. Oh, I love those emails. What a wonderful email. And thank you for sharing it with me. Uh, I want to back up a little bit and just say and she was on clonazepam for a long time. Boy, that one can do a number. We, those of us who have been on it know that one quite well. Um, I'm glad the book and podcast have been helpful. Boy, I, I never get tired of hearing that. Thank you so much. And to be on Benzos for 19 years. I was on them for 12, so um, not too far off, but yeah. It could do a number. And, and bind, thank you. Um, for those of you who don't know, benzodiazepine-induced neurological dysfunction is the term that we've been working on with some research teams coming up for for the protracted state of benzo withdrawal um, to replace things like protracted withdrawal, you know, benzodiazepine withdrawal syndrome and that kind of stuff. And, and we're still trying to get that out there and get it um, recognized. So just in case you weren't sure what bind was, that's what that is. Regarding the peer support work and classes, Thank you for bringing that up. We're making progress. In fact, I just sent out an email yesterday on it. Um, we're trying to get our first two classes scheduled in Colorado, which will be coming up in the next couple months. And then we'll be going national before the end of the year. And um, we're ready to launch. We're ready to go with this thing. So those classes are coming soon. And I will let you know via easing anxiety 
um, the status on those, where they are, and what's going on. So please, if you're on a mailing list, you will learn about those, I promise. And yes, Anna Lemke is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. She was on, for those who remember, she was on our podcast a while back. She was a great guest, a wonderful discussion, and it was a delight to have her on. Thanks, Judith. Loved it. Loved your story. Thank you for sharing. And to both of you, Judith and Ted, thank you guys for sharing. I really appreciate it. Um, if you'd like to share your story, please visit our feedback forum at easinganxiety.com slash feedback. Always love to hear your stories. Always love to have more to share. And I thank you to all those who have the courage to share their stories with us so we can share it with others. Thank you so much. I think it's time for us to cover our feature. Might run a little over this time, but you know, that's okay. We got a lot of good information to share. And I hope this episode um, really does its part in helping you all out with what you're going through. I want to start the feature here with a little recap to talk about how this topic came to be. This is not the first post I've done on COVID, not by a long shot for those of you who have been around for a while. Um, the podcast episodes include anxiety, benzos, and a virus um, back on March 17th, 2020. I also did COVID and benzos, immunity vaccine symptoms back in April 2021. Feel free to check those out on our website. And we've also done several videos on anxiety. Um, 10 anxiety tips for dealing with relationships during COVID. Three anxiety tips amid COVID. Anxiety and the loss of control during COVID. Anxiety overwhelm. COVID and a trip to Estes Park. So we've done a lot of different content. Um, anxiety rising, the hardship of COVID. We've done a lot of content on COVID. I'll, I'll put links to all these in our show notes. But you know, even easier, we have a new website in case I didn't mention that. <laughs> Go to easinganxiety.com and just type COVID into the search bar and voila you will see the list. That's actually how I did it to be able to put these in here. So that's the new search bar should hopefully find things for you quick. I hope so. So with all these posts, you might think I've covered COVID enough, but no, we haven't. This is new, long COVID, even without benzos. But for us, often with the combination of benzos is a real hot topic right now. And I think we need to dive into it a bit and see what we can learn. And since there has been a marked increase in benzodiazepine consumption over the past several years, in part due to the stress and effects of the pandemic, this is a very important topic for us to cover. Now, one word of caution, and I do need to say this here, these stories and this, these stories I'm going to share from people who have written into me and this information may be really hard to hear for some people. Um, some of these are pretty strong, and I want to say that up front and caution you. A few of these stories are of people truly struggling with COVID and probably benzos combined, and it can be really hard to hear. I realize that some of you fear that COVID may cause a significant setback or even cause permanent damage in your healing from benzos. I'll even admit that I had a few thoughts of a setback of my own, and I, I try not to use that term anymore after having some conversations with other people. But not addressing this situation does nothing to help fix it or even understand it. We need to discuss these things, and that's what this podcast is for. Otherwise, how can we figure them out, learn how to deal with it, and find our way through to get to that other side? I believe it is vital we share this information, but if it might cause you to stress, please skip this feature at this time. I promise no hard feelings. <laughs> I won't judge you at all. I totally understand that there was a time when I couldn't listen to these. So I get it when you say, hey, I'm just not there. I'm going to skip it. So I'll let you know. Now, I'm going to try and keep this brief, but um, I want to share with you my experience right now with COVID, my recent experience with COVID and benzos, just as a quick recap, because some of you haven't heard this yet. I'm eight and a half years off clonazepam, taken as prescribed for 12 years. I still have some protracted symptoms, but that being said, I've made tons of progress over the last eight years from where I was initially. I believe I've had COVID three times. Now, I say believe because... I've only tested positive for it once. The first time I think I had COVID was in November of 2019, before they even announced that it was in the U.S. yet, and long before there were any home test kits. 
I had traveled to Florida, was around a lot of people, a lot of big international community. And when I returned, I had a sickness that I'd never experienced before, and it was a near-perfect match for the early strain of COVID. The next time was in May of 2022 when traveling to the upper Midwest in the U.S. My wife and I were sick, holed up in a hotel room for days. We both tested negative um, for COVID, but when we returned and visited our doc, she was sure that we both had COVID considering the symptoms and the duration of our illness. And then in early December of last year, <laughs> sick again, big surprise, and this time I tested positive for COVID. So I know I had it at least once, probably three times. Now, the symptoms of fever, drainage, etc. this last time came and went in a week or so. And as before, and sometimes the fatigue and cough, that lingered for a month. But then came these new symptoms. Tinnitus, more severe than I had in early benzo withdrawal. Dysphagia, which is the difficulty of swallowing, to the point that I would sometimes choke and I had fear of aspirating when I was eating. Throat tightening like it was chronically, like somebody had their hand around my throat squeezing gently, and it was that way all the time. Achesisia came on pretty strong and made it difficult to sleep, which of course means mild insomnia and a few other symptoms. Now, the tinnitus, achesisia, insomnia, and throat tightening I've had before early in benzo withdrawal. The dysphagia is new, and it's weird. And it's hard to explain this one and get people to understand, but it's not like my throat is too tight and I can't get food to go down because there's not room for the food. That's not the problem. It's more like I forgot how to swallow or, or that I forgot the timing of breathing and swallowing and I would get food back in the back of my throat and then all of a sudden I felt like I had to take a breath and I knew the timing was off and I was about to choke and sometimes I did choke and it's a little crazy. Some of you have suggested that air hunger may be involved, and, and you may be right, but, but it makes me think that this is more neurological than anything else, my dysphagia. Still, as I always suggest in this podcast, it's good to get things checked out. So I've been to several doctors in the past few months, ear specialists for tinnitus, ENT and gastroenterologists for dysphagia and throat tightening, all sorts of tests, barium fluoroscopy with speech pathology was one of them. I'm still scheduled for an endoscopy, um, all kinds of fun stuff, you know, just to make sure everything's okay. With all these tests, the only thing they found so far was a mild case of esophageal reflux, which I've had in the past, but didn't seem like that probably was the cause, not by what I was dealing with, but it's possible. And that brings me back to neurological issues. And it got me thinking, is it possible that what I'm dealing with is a result primarily of COVID, but that bind has made me more sensitive to some of the effects of long COVID? Basically, bind and long COVID together causing increased symptomatology. Hmm. That's me and my extremely well-educated scientific mind. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I'm a, lay, I'm a layman when it comes to all that stuff. I think you all know that. But I read and I try to understand what I'm reading, even though I know I fail. But I looked it up and I dove into the research, as I often do, trying to figure things out. And I saw some interesting things. I also talked about it on the podcast a few times, asked for input. And you all did not fail me, not in the least. I got all kinds of great feedback on benzos and COVID. Feedback that I, I'm going to share with you now before we look at the science. So let's dive into what some of you have said about COVID and benzos. This first one is from Jennifer in Canada. Jennifer wrote, Hi D. I am sorry to hear about what you are going through now. I hope that you find some relief very soon. Have you thought that maybe the vaccine has triggered this reaction? It unfortunately seems that a lot of people are developing similar symptoms to benzo damage after being vaccinated. I am suffering from Ativan destroying my nervous system. I am on my second year off and have slight improvements. I hope there is total recovery for all of us in the near future. Sending you healing thoughts, Jennifer. Well, thank you, Jennifer. You know, that's a really good question because um, on the vaccine, I don't know. I don't know. And I think, honestly, most of us don't know. Um, could it be the vaccine has triggered some of this reaction? Yeah, it's possible. 
And it's also possible that having COVID could have, and it could be both. Um, I did get the vaccine. I haven't had the latest booster, but again, I'm going to keep getting COVID. So I feel I'm getting some natural immunity through that. So I'm not taking any kind of political stance here whatsoever. I'm just saying, yeah, it's possible. And I think it's something we need to look into and, and know more of because um, who knows? Who knows? But I appreciate you bringing that up. And I wanted to mention your take here because, yes, this is a possibility. And it's something we have to keep in mind that there are all kinds of factors at play here. And, and the vaccine could have some side effects. And this could be one of them. So thanks for sharing that with me. A gentleman that goes by the name of Dan in Recovery, his username, he wrote the following. Hey, D. I had COVID end of October, and then the flu back to back. It took a little bit, but the wave I'm going through, the worst wave I've gone through in years. I can relate. Very scary. The weird thing is, it came on a month after I was sick. Thanks for speaking up about this. Well, thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, the, the COVID and then the flu, I know I just had a cold on top of everything. And I definitely feel like our isolation may have lowered our immunity to other diseases and people are getting more colds and flus now and we're trying to catch up. It it seems to be kind of a mess. And and when you mentioned it came on a month after I was sick, that was my symptoms too. After I had COVID in early December, these symptoms came on towards the end of December, about a month later. So it does seem that it was similar timing. And I'm really glad that you shared that with us. Thanks. With us. Thank you. Our next one is from Jurg in Switzerland, and he cares for his wife, Ruth. He's a caregiver. And this one's a little hard to hear, so letting you know up front. Dear D, thank you for your latest news. You're doing a great job with your website and your channel. I'm sorry to hear that you are confronted with these COVID issues. I don't know if you still remember us. My wife, Ruth, has been in benzodiazepine withdrawal since early 2017. At the beginning of 2020, she was slowly feeling better about three years after her cold turkey, and she stabilized so that we could do almost everything again from 2020 to 2022. We could do sports again, biking, going to the gym. She could take over the household. We even went hiking and much more. In spring 2022, we were able to fully enjoy our life again. We went on vacation twice and brought coronavirus back from Italy. Ruth and I were both fully vaccinated and we only had a very mild course. Three weeks after COVID, my wife suddenly had an extreme headache. It disappeared again after about 48 hours and she was able to continue. Over ascension, an unexpectedly violent wave came, which lasted about 10 days, and Ruth was forced to the couch. Afterwards, she could function normally again, and we went hiking again. About 10 days later, however, a second wave came, which in turn had the same effect. She had to stay on the sofa with enormous symptoms and could not get up. At the beginning of August, a very strong wave hit her again so that she has not been able to get up since then. The symptoms got worse and worse. We went to various doctors and they diagnosed us with a functional neurological disorder. We're at a loss and do not know what happens next. We're confronted with the same problems of benzo withdrawal and no one can help us. This is a short update from our side. We hope that you feel better and that you will get fit again. Warmest greetings from Bern, Switzerland. Jörg. Uh, thanks, Jörg. I first just want to give Jörg and Ruth my my best wishes. I, I do remember Jörg. Jörg has been a delight to talk to, and I know he's he has been such a struggle um, to try to take care of Ruth. And I know in the past it was, and I'm so sorry for this COVID um, situation that they're in now, um, and I just wish him the best. I wish I had more more um, support. I, I do believe this, like Benzo's, is is temporary and that Ruth is going to start to improve. Um, I'm not seeing any sign that it's a permanent thing. Um, so I'm very hopeful that that's what's going to happen here soon. And, um, you know, I, I just want to tell them that my heart and my 
my blessings are with them and with Ruth and that they, they get better. Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I'm speechless after some of these, and this is one of those. So thanks for sharing your, it's always a pleasure to hear from you. Um, and I'm truly sorry that you and Ruth are still going through such struggles. Our next one is from Annette. Annette writes, I believe you because I got COVID January 2nd, and my old benzo symptoms are flourishing. It is super annoying. I had this feeling in my stomach and ribs like I'm wearing a super tight girdle. I also have that constricted feeling in neck muscles and scalp, which were symptoms that had gone away a few years ago, I think. It is hard to remember. I am seven years cold turkey this February. Here's to coping, hoping, and believing that one day we will heal completely. Thanks, Annette. Um, here's to that day. I totally agree with you. Old benzo symptoms flourishing, the constricted feelings, the neck muscles. That's exactly what I got. Um, sounds quite familiar. And hard to remember. I know it's maybe that's a blessing. Maybe it's somewhat of a blessing that we don't always remember all the things we've been through because I think it would be maybe more disheartening. Is it disheartening? I think it's disheartening. Yeah. Um, to always remember all the stuff that we went through. So, Annette, thank you for writing in. I really appreciate it. And I hope again that you rebound from this quickly. And our last one is here from Chuck. He is a medical professional with lived experience and he shares the following. Hello, D. I'm so sorry to hear about your past COVID issues. I can truly attest that it exacerbates withdrawal or maybe it's a creature of its own. I've had COVID three times. Each time the COVID is less, but the aftermath is a doozy. The, tinnit the tinnitus really spikes and my skin burning is much worse. The tinnitus is really more global and like a hissing sound versus a ring. It does improve over time. I use sleep headphones with various back masking sounds. Also, deep massage around the head and neck are helpful. I'll also do sauna that helps with sleep. Making sure total body inflammation is low seems to really help me. So my diet is really restricted and I, I do things that lower inflammation. Last year, I spent tens of thousands out of pocket on tests. Looking for some reason, neuroantibiotics, inflammation, all negative. I had all my antibodies tested, looking for something causing these flare-ups. It truly sucks, to say the least. I am seeing many patients in my office with post-COVID symptoms that truly mimic benzo withdrawal in people that never took a benzo. They are presenting with bizarre, unrelated neuro issues such as numbness, internal vibrations, dizziness, and tinnitus. D, it does get better post-COVID. Three to six months seems to be for me. I know it is disconcerting, but from what I've seen and know, it clears up. Prayers of hope and healing to you, Chuck. Wow, thank you, Chuck. That's the one I really wanted to end on there with those. Um, thank you to everybody that wrote in. Um, but Chuck's really has some good medical knowledge behind it and also some hope there that I really wanted to include about it clearing up. And that's something that um, I think is really important for us to focus on. So thank you, Chuck. And it actually is a perfect lead-in to the rest of our feature on the science of COVID and benzos. First, let's take a look at immunity. I just want to mention this really quickly. Now, we've known for some time that benzodiazepine dependence and withdrawal or BIND can affect our immune system. In fact, in the 14 categories of bind symptoms that we post on our site, which you can find at easinganxiety.com symptoms, just so you know, <laughs> immune and endocrine symptoms has their own category. Also, stress and depression may be factors of this, since they can both also lower immunity on their own. And during bind, well, many of us are quite stressed and can become depressed. And there may be other factors too. 
But we've also seen that benzodiazepines can suppress our immune systems during use, and the literature appears to back that up too. So suffice it to say, benzodiazepines can lower our immunity, making it harder for us to fight off and recover from illnesses such as COVID. So let's look at another area of concern, which is the interaction of benzodiazepines with COVID-19 drugs. According to Shaw 2021, a study published in the Primary Care Companion, in regards to COVID-19 drugs, such as Ritonavir, I always, I always have to stop with these, <laughs> Rit, Ritonavir and Lipinavir. Yeah, we're going to go with that. <laughs> this article said, benzodiazepines have shown significant levels of interaction with COVID-19 drugs. Since benzodiazepines are so commonly prescribed, physicians need to keep these interactions in mind and exercise caution when they are prescribed together to avert any severe or fatal reactions. So if you're taking or have taken antiviral drugs for COVID and are still taking benzodiazepines, I would recommend that you speak to your physician about your concerns. Now let's take a look at recovery from COVID and the effect on recovery. You know, it appears that benzodiazepines can also have an adverse effect outside of medication interactions when you get COVID as it relates to hospitalization and recovery. Benzodiazepine Information Coalition, or BIC, um, one of my favorite benzodiazepine resources, has a page on COVID-19 at benzoinfo.com slash COVID-19. On this page, they relay evidence of how benzodiazepines can increase the risk of hospitalization in COVID-positive patients, but that it didn't appear to increase the risk of testing positive or for the out severe outcomes on mortality. The big, the big COVID-19 page also does talk about how benzos are potent, potentially dangerous for those with pre-existing respiratory illnesses. And they also share a lot of other useful information. So you might want to go check out that page. But let's talk about what I think we all came for, which is long COVID and bind. This is the real topic. How does COVID, in particular long COVID, affect our bind symptoms? Are these symptoms people are experiencing just long COVID and not related to benzos at all? Is it a combination of the two? Or is it just bind and has nothing to do with COVID? But let's start by looking at long COVID or post-COVID conditions by themselves. According to the CDC, quote, post-COVID conditions are a wide range of new, returning, or ongoing health problems that people experience after being infected with the virus that causes COVID-19. Now, while most people recover from COVID in, in a few days or weeks, some have symptoms that carry on after four weeks and can last for weeks, months, or even years. Weeks, months, or even years. Hmm, wow. You know, as I typed that into the script, I realized how often I have typed that same phrase almost exactly. And I've typed it for benzodiazepines. I have done that many, many times. This all sounds very familiar. Hmm. According to the CDC article, common symptoms of long COVID or post-COVID include tiredness or fatigue that interferes with daily life, fever, cough, chest pain, heart palpitations, difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, Brain fog, headaches, insomnia, lightheadedness, pins and needles, change in smell or taste, depression, anxiety, stomach distress, joint or muscle pain, rash, and changes in menstrual cycle. Okay, now as I read that list, I also realized something. These all are symptoms of bind. They're all on my bind symptom list, every one of them. Again, very interesting. I guess what I'm trying to say is it appears there's some crossover here. And honestly, one of the biggest crossovers that we're just learning about more now is about our gut. Most of us are familiar with benzo belly and all that goes with it. But what about COVID and our belly and our gut issues? According to an article from Washington University in St. Louis titled, Long COVID Means Increased Risk of Long-Term Gastrointestinal Problems 
which was posted just three days ago. The author writes, people who have had COVID-19 are at increased risk of developing gastrointestinal disorders within a year after infection, compared to people who haven't been infected. These conditions include liver problems, acute pancreatitis, irritable bowel syndrome, acid reflux, and ulcers in the lining of the stomach and upper intestine, in addition to constipation, diarrhea, abdominal pain, bloating, and vomiting. Well, I want to come back to me for one second, not to make this about me, but one of my, my primary problem right now is gastrointestinal related. That's why I'm seeing a gastroenterologist. And so this article really stuck home for me. According to the senior author on the paper, gastrointestinal problems were among the first that were reported by the patient community. So I guess these have been going on for some time. This author also noticed an interesting aspect in regards to the vaccine by stating, while the vaccines may help to reduce the risks of long COVID, they do not offer complete protection against long-term symptoms of COVID-19 that can affect the heart, lungs, brain, and now we know the GI tract. So vaccines can help us not get COVID, according to this, but it may not help with the effects, these long-term effects, at least once we get COVID. Hmm. And this is just the digestive system. What about everything else? What about the entire neurological system? We've mentioned brain frog. Brain frog. That's a good one. See, that probably is my brain frog kicking in when I'm trying to say brain fog. But anyway, we mentioned brain fog and effects on the brain in previous quotes. So perhaps we should look deeper into that area, since that is where most of the bind symptoms appear to originate. According to the Mayo Clinic, symptoms of long COVID can include neurological symptoms or mental health conditions, including difficulty thinking or concentrating, headache, sleep problems, dizziness when you stand, pins and needles feeling, loss or smell of taste, and depression or anxiety. In fact, they also say that some symptoms are similar to those caused by chronic fatigue syndrome, which, as you may know, is often misdiagnosed for people with BIND. According to an article in The Conversation titled, Long COVID, how lost connections between nerve cells in the brain may explain cognitive symptoms. The author stated, some people with long COVID complain of brain fog, which includes a wide variety of cognitive symptoms affecting memory, concentration, sleep, and speech. There's also growing concern about findings that people who have had COVID are at increased risk of developing brain disorders, such as dementia. Yes, the similarities are a bit eerie. Benzodiazepines have, for some time, as many of you know, been associated with an increased risk of dementia. Now, one of the possible causes of this neurological issue for COVID is that they found it may destroy synapses, the connections between neurons or brain cells. Now, the elimination of certain number of synapses in your brain is common, but in this study, the rate appeared to be exaggerated. So that is a possibility of a cause. The truth is, it is too early to know. We just don't have, we got a lot of research on COVID lately, but nothing long-term. And when it comes to long COVID, we need time to figure these things out. Benzos have been around for over 60 years, and we still don't really know the causes or mechanisms of protracted withdrawal or bind. Now, one thing I wanted to pull away for a second and just touch on was dysphagia because that's a symptom I've had and it's the one that just, it's the new one, the one that I hadn't had before and I was curious about it since, since it's so unique. The, the, the real term is oropharyngeal dysphagia or difficulty swallowing. And I was curious, can it be tied to COVID? Well, it is common in people who were intubated during COVID. That makes sense because intubation means you stick a, you know, a tube down your throat. So that could definitely cause problems with your, with your larynx and with all the different mechanisms there. But it also seemed to happen in those who were not intubated, like me, people that weren't even hospitalized. I came across several studies backing this. While, while it is more common in those who were hospital, hospitalized, it still was found in some who were not. So it made me think that, could it be 
because of bind and my hypersensitivities and neurological dysfunction that I have going on, that I'm more prone to dysphagia from COVID. That's the theory. <laughs> In my non-medically trained mind, that's the theory. Some of you may be curious as to the odds of developing long COVID once you get COVID. According to the Mayo Clinic's webpage on COVID-19 long-term effects, research suggests that between one month and one year after having COVID-19, one in five people ages 18 to 64 has at least one medical condition that might be due to COVID-19. Among people aged 65 and older, one in four has at least one medical condition that might be due to COVID-19. So it appears that approximately 20 to 25% of people who get COVID may experience long COVID effects. In closing, I wanted to say a few things here. All this sounds pretty ugly. I know that. This is not a great topic and I can't make it pretty. It's just not. It's information that we need to share. The truth is there's so much we don't know. COVID has only been around for four years now, and there is still so much research to be done. But in my layman's approach to medical logic, <laughs> which is sorely lacking in many places, it makes sense to me that if long COVID can cause lingering effects, including gastrointestinal and neurological effects and others, and that benzos can have lingering effects, including many of the same, that there might be some overlap. And one condition very well might increase the likelihood and or severity of the other. That's my theory. And until somebody shows me a better one, I'm sticking with it for now. But I, I want to end this in hope because there's plenty of hope. And I know this was ugly but there's plenty of hope here. As far as we know, much like benzo withdrawal and bind, this is temporary. Long COVID is temporary. Many I have spoken with have said that long COVID lasts about three months. Um, one, of the, one of the letters we read earlier said three to six months. And, and, and now that I'm about there, about three months or so with my last bout of COVID, I must say I'm starting to feel better. My throat isn't as tight. It still comes up now and then, but it's not chronic. And my swallowing is improving. There are meals now I have that I don't even think about swallowing. I just do it. And that's an improvement. And even my tinnitus appears to be a little better. And I'm sleeping a little better. And the achesisia is easing a bit. Yeah. So all in all, it appears that buying may make our experience with COVID more difficult. I think that's pretty clear so far. But... Also, much like bind, it appears it eases over time. But while the symptoms of COVID are difficult, especially those who are struggling with long COVID, and especially for those who combine that with the complications of bind, we still have an advantage over many other people. I've been through benzos and bind, and I've learned much including coping skills, anxiety management skills, and how to get through this and how to try to stay optimistic through a very difficult situation in our lives. Outside of the neurological baggage that I carry, I also carry some knowledge and skills. And those skills make this more manageable. I can't tell you the number of times in the past few years that I've been grateful for the lessons BIND has taught me. I can honestly say that long COVID is not that big of a deal because I've been through bind. Well, that's my two cents on COVID and bind. I hope it helps, and I'm sure we'll cover this topic again down the road a bit. Please allow just 25 seconds for our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical, health, or psychological advice, nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org disclaimer. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. 
we got a few interviews coming up, so please stay tuned for those. Those will be out really soon. A lot of new things coming to the website. We got a new Twitter feed. We got new YouTube, one YouTube, <laughs> you can tell I've been talking too. This has been a long episode. I apologize for this one going so long. I'm, I was tempted to maybe divide it into two, but I think I'm just going to make it a long episode and go with it. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But thank you for for joining us. Please let us know how we did. I am very grateful for you, for all of you who listen and support the podcast and the work we do, and we're not going anywhere. So we're just now getting our second wind, and I'm really, really excited about that. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.